listening to a podcast from The National. That's the sound of the bare-throated bellbird perched on the very tallest trees of the Paraguayan rainforest. It's calling out to attract a mate. The sound is known to travel miles through the bird's natural habitats deep in the forests. The unique, metallic call punctuates Pamela Armoa's day at school as she studies in the all-girls education institution, Centro Educativo Embaracayo. The boarding school tucked deep in the heart of the 300,000-hectare Embaracayo Biosphere Reserve looks to provide girls a high school education while also teaching them financial self-sustainability. The school teaches the children to become environmental sustainability entrepreneurs and helps support the livelihood of the rainforest indigenous peoples. The institution, being so separated from a major city, is self-sufficient, and it employs unique projects that has won a grant from Zaid Future Energy Prize this year. However, since Pamela came to the school a year ago, the unique call of the bare-throated bellbird is being heard less than ever before. Many of the tallest trees the bird relies on to project its call are being cut down. Without its natural pedestal, the bird is finding it harder for its mating call to reach a mate, leaving Paraguay's national bird lonelier than ever before. Although these girls are only between 15 and 18 years old, many of them have taken upon themselves to make saving the rainforest their life goal. This is Beyond the Headlines. I am Nasal Westmi, and we're recording this episode from Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week in Adnec. This week, we focus on the winners of the Zayed Future Energy Prize, which is now in its 10th year of awarding the world's best sustainability projects $4 million. I interviewed Pamela and her peer Analia Velasquez moments after their school's sustainability projects won the $100,000 prize. The girls felt more comfortable talking in Spanish, so the translation you'll hear was done by their program coordinator, Raquel Frata. I also interviewed all three of them on their work in the school and the importance of saving the rainforest. So the national bird is the billbird and they put one egg once a year and they sing to attract the female. And we see this, we only see this uh, bird uh, at the top of the tree. Okay. And, and the reason that uh, we don't see it very often is because there are very tall tree disappearing. So your school is located, from what I understand, in the rainforest. So tell me, what kind of, what kind of connection do you guys have to to nature, to the environment? My school is located inside a natural reserve, and for me, the connection that I have with the forest it goes beyond only my connection. Every day when I wake up, I hear uh, the sound of the birds. I hear animals, I see animals, so the connection is very deep. I cannot imagine my life uh, living without that connection of nature. And it's, it goes beyond what I can, I can say. It's sustainability connected to nature, and we cannot talk about sustainability without connection to nature. Your, your situation is unique in that maybe a lot of the effects of uh, global warming, a lot of people think that it's not a real thing. So I'm wondering, have you felt any of the effects of global warming, any of the environmental destruction that might have happened since you guys have been at the school living in the rainforest or studying in the rainforest? 
and realmente sí está afectando. So we we are actually feeling climate change because uh, our school is located in the reserve or it's in the reserve, and the communities that are surrounding the reserve uh, they have practices like burning. And, and, and that is actually affecting the reserve because there are a lot of more burnings going on. And when you have burnings, uh, you, have, you see less uh, birds. And one of uh, the uh, birds that are going to in, into extinction is uh, the uh, bear bell, which is our national bird, which is, you know, we used to hear it a lot and we now hear it less and less. Your approach to solving the problem is unique in that you're using the sap of the trees. Is that, is that correct? Is this a new thing or is this maybe an ancient technique uh, that's, that's just being used again? I mean, was it traditionally used as a fuel? Let me answer that question. Yeah. So we have this tree inside the reserve. Uh, it's a tree called kupa'u, uh, how we know it back home. In the scientific world, it's known as Copaifera officialis. And Actually, this tree, when we started doing the research, no one knew about the benefits. No one knew that this tree had a resin, and that resin had many benefits. One of them are med medicinal. Another one is that you can create your own uh, diesel with this resin. So learning that, for us, it was very important. It was like a big discovery because we start, we read in the literature, uh, we talked to people locally and very few knew that this tree has the resin. So it seems like there is a lot of knowledge and that's why this proposal is so important because we have a tree that we have locally available that no one knows about it. So uh, it will be an incredible opportunity to share this knowledge with the girls, with their families, with the community, uh, tell them that, that this tree can not only create a forest, but this tree can also give um, communities the opportunity to increase their income level. So uh, for us, that was a, a really emotional discovery, and it was uh, just the idea of learning something that no one knew it was just very 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 exciting and and just giving back the knowledge uh, to the people it was just an incredible experience uh, we have inside the reserve also uh, a community indigenous community which, who are the Ache indigenous community so we also uh, ask them uh, where are these trees, where we can find more of these trees. So they collaborate with us to show their knowledge of where the tree is located. So, uh, and, 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 and that was very spectacular. So you've seen a lot of schools in the past do a lot with uh, the grant, the reward from the Zayed Future Energy Press. I'm just wondering, I mean, how will this prize help you succeed in the project that you're, you're doing? The educational impact that this project will have for us are several. Uh, for example, with the solar panel, we're going to learn how to install these solar panels, how to control and measure the, the energy that it produces, and, and also with the uh, gravity light that we are proposing, uh, we hope to uh, generate light uh, for 25 minutes without the necessity of the sun, of battery, or the generator. 
and also we are proposing uh, the diesel tree and with this tree we are going to learn how to collect the resin, we're going to plant uh, 1,000 trees with the community at the community. And finally, with the educational kit, we are planning uh, to create a, a book in explaining all the technologies that we are applying and also uh, establishing and, 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 and building a puppetry show to share with the children at the community surrounding. And this will have a big impact in the community uh, because we will share it with eight other schools reaching 350 students. In your opinion, you've worked with these girls very closely on the project. So I just want to see, uh, I mean, you've obviously implemented sustainable projects, uh, sustainable uh, 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 programs. I just want to know, I mean, in your opinion, what is the impact that has on their lives and their education? Well, to start with, it's um, you have to treat these students uh, as the future leaders. And that means responsibility. And they are taking that responsibility as their own. So we have established a sustainable community with the school uh, for this project, empowering them and giving them the torch that will uh, lead this project. So in, in that degree and in that sense, uh, empowering the students it has been a very rewarding experience because you see how given the opportunity to rural girls, indigenous girls who are living in an isolated area where there are current blackouts, when they don't have internet, when they don't have light, when they, they have to take hot showers, given the opportunity and given that the spirit and empowering can truly change their life, can change their school and can change the community. So when you invest your time, your effort, your love, or these students, you are changing the community. We'll go further beyond the headlines in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about The National's other podcasts. Business Extra goes deeper into the movers and shakers that make the Middle East such an important financial hub in the world. An extra time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or find us as always at thenational.ae. H. Harish Hande is the founder of the Selco Foundation, the winner of the Zayed Future Energy Prize Best Nonprofit Organization. His group looks to empower residents of India's slums. Mr. Hande is unique in that he refuses to look at the residents as beneficiaries and prefers to treat them as partners in sustainability ventures. This is what he had to say about winning the prize. We've seen previous winners really catapult uh, from being awarded the Zayed Future Energy Prize doing a lot of work around the world, expanding their nonprofit in really meaningful ways. So I just wanted to know, winning the prize today, what does that mean for you and how do you, put that, how do you plan on putting that money to use? Two things. Uh, the winning the prize actually, uh, what happened was established what we were doing many years, for many years is the concept of inclusivity, sustainable energy and poverty eradication. All three which is very close to Sheikh Zayed and how that was... Uh, I mean, sustainability at that point of time, energy was not there, but sustainability and inclusivity. So for us, that's the critical uh, path to it. And the way we are looking to look at uh, utilization of money is, there are a lot of mistakes that we have done and a lot of successes we have done. So we want to use the money to replicate many of the processes and 
and interventions we have done also to inspire a lot of youngsters in other parts of the world not to repeat the mistakes that we have done and then and how can they push sustainable energies in their parts to eradicate poverty the prize serves a different function for everyone in this room right now uh, for the schools for the lifetime achievement award the people who didn't win though the finalists they're still given great publicity right so i'm just what are some of the other effects uh, of the prize on on both the winners and the non-winners the i, I think uh, you you're right i mean in many ways the, the it's it's not about the prize it's a concept i mean i would say prizes again becomes a it was more of a concept of inclusivity and pushing the concept that sustainable energy has made its mark and that's if we have to look at future and today we look at sustainable energy frankly speaking not from a climate change perspective we look at sustainability from a development perspective it 3.5 billion people in the world have to get out of poverty that's the only way and whether the winners and all the people who participated in this uh, competition a testament that if we can grow from that multifold in the next 5 years then there's a positive sure solution for the 3.5 billion people to get out of poverty and in that for me is the critical point yeah the prize is only 10 years old i mean i know i know you don't want to talk about it as a prize as more of a of of a, a different concept but i mean what has this done on the non-profit sustainability community i mean is this kind of promoting uh, maybe a best 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 uh, practices sharing or i mean what what other effect does it have on you guys and why did you guys choose to apply see two things one is the yes the prize has been there for 10 years the side it has also pushed the boundaries that the uh, how can there be an out of box thinking away from traditional typical charities to look at sustainable energy that these are solutions these are solutions where the poor can be owners where the poor can be entrepreneurs where the poor can be innovators i think that inclusivity has come in in the last 10 years the thought process around the world and i think and and i firmly believe that this prize has been that beacon of pioneering efforts that has led to people around the world and other institutions to rethink how to utilize money thinking outside of the box do you have any examples of someone benefiting from your work maybe a story you got you can tell me uh, an individual or a group yeah thank i i think see it's it's more of see where we push is like for example i'll take the example of uh, mr um, uh, suresh naik he is physically challenged uh, he works in a he, uh, he stays in a slum area what he did was he first took a solar home lighting system uh, five of them and he rented out those lights in the evening to five other slum dwellers okay um, he did not look at as climate change environment right it was well. he rented out people were spending 15 rupees per day on kerosene he charged them 10 rupees and for him the cost was 6 rupees so he was making a profit of 4 rupees as he gradually grew from 10 to 15 to 30 to 50 to 60 then he opened up a cell phone repair shop using solar power soldering iron to repair cell phones then he started charging cell phones using and bought a laptop solar power laptop to download movies then he would download them on cell phones using that money he actually cleared law examination right then he got married and now 
he has expanded it to create another roti i mean roti rolling roti is this uh, indian bread machine so it's solar powered roti rolling machine where he makes 500 rotis and sells it to the nearby restaurants from a person who was earning less than 10 rupees a day has now bought land and his own house in a matter of 6 years that means sustainable energy can truly get him out of poverty i've heard that after work you you've been known to take your car drive to the slums spend some time there to get maybe a, a a better impression to connect with the people could you give can you give me an idea of how the slums are i mean just to give our listeners an impression of what it's like living there and what do you believe is the uh, impact of of disruptive thinking disruptive sustainable uh, uh, implications like this technology see one thing see one thing because uh, my parents were in a better position they gave me an education it's and and for me that's a running race and i am at 50 meters others are at minor 50 i win the race and i say i won the race and that's stupidity of the i mean it's wrong on the world in many ways right the people in the slums first i wanted to know i am not pushing a technology down people's throat right i am not treating them as beneficiaries they are partners they are innovators they are entrepreneurs i am just a partner i have certain expertise i come to your doorstep you you have a certain expertise that you come to the table we together came up with a solution right where 90% of the thought process is what they would have come up with right i am just giving, just each one of us would have a financial advisor right each one of some other advisor it's not like and that's where for me was am i ever been able to step into their shoes and think what they need not assuming what they need and i create a solution for them that's in many ways insulting the poor and un- and I, i yes it's been 20 years sir it's been 20 years but i still say i have not even learned 1% it's still very long we all confuse between intellectual poverty and financial poverty the rural slums it might be dirt, uh, it might not be structured for a certain reason because of resources because of little bit of planning process because they're all fighting for survival we can become partners and start formulating with them plans and execute the plans that their kids don't need to lead the same life like that they did and for me that's all i go there can they treat me as a partner not somebody who's from the outside Finally, Kelin Melek, a reporter at the National who was covering the event, sat down with the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award, Shuji Nakamura. The Japanese scientist is responsible for developing the LED. The technology is found in everything from the iPhone to light bulbs that are 10 times more efficient than traditional lighting. This is what he had to say about the honor. You didn't expect it? No, no. Really? I, no, I didn't know that this hour hour so at all so at that time. So And tell me a bit about how you started in your work. How how did it even come to your mind to come up with this? My uh, invention LED? of LED? Yes. Oh, because in Japan I worked for a small company after joining a small company. Uh that a small company, chemical company. So uh that uh, chemical company was uh, making us uh, materials mm. for LEDs for LED lights yeah LED lights they don't make any LED LED semiconductor technology this company chemical company so they are some kind of material for LED okay so so i was involved with those development and uh, 
And at a certain point, my boss asked me to develop the red LEDs. Red, conventional red LEDs. I don't know, red LEDs are available. Okay, red was available. Oh, yeah, red LEDs are available since the 60s. Okay. And I started working with red LEDs. And uh, I could make this product, but the sales are very poor. Already big company, mm. other big company making the same product. Mm. So red LED. Oh, you know? many companies. Yeah, yeah. At that time, okay. Hewlett Packard, Philips, you know. And then, and ten years later, you know. So gradually, I, you know, at that time, I read a lot of papers, and all of the scientific papers says the biggest problem of LEDs: no blue, no green LEDs. Mm. What is the difference? Sorry, because I'm not aware. Oh. Why, how is it different? Oh, because uh, in order to make any kind of colors, we need, we need three primary colors. Mm. Three primary colors, blue, green, red. Mm. Only, at that time, only red color is available. Mm -hmm. So in order to make any kind of colors okay. using LEDs, we need blue and green. Okay. So all the scientific papers say like that. No blue, no green. Okay. So if somebody invent blue, green, blue and green, there would be a huge market for LED. Oh, okay, okay. So gradually I wanted to do, you know. To do it. Yeah. But my company was small and I always asked my boss, why don't you start a blue LED research at my own? Yeah. And always boss said, you're crazy. My company is a tiny company, no budget, no uh, people. How to... expensive is it? Expensive. How much does in it the, cost to, to oh, come up with that? At that time in Japan, that time in the 1980s, in Japan, like uh, Sony, Panasonic, Toshiba, those companies spending uh, uh, how much? 100 million dollars for wow. three years to develop blue LEDs. Really? Wow. For three years, 100 million dollars. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, huh? My company is, uh, at that time, my company's revenue is 20 million. <laughs> so, how did you fund the research and all that? So, 10 years later, this part, I asked my chairman. Why don't you start a blue LED? And he said, okay, no problem, you can. So he funded it? He yeah, and he funded me, and I asked at the same time, five million dollars, why, why don't you give me five million? And he five said, million dollars? Yeah. Mm. And using five million dollars, I could develop blue LEDs. And then you might, how long did it take you? So, see, only four years. Four years, okay. Yeah, four That's years. amazing. And now, I mean, how do you feel about, you know, being called the father of LED and everything that you've done so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy uh, because LED is everywhere, you know? That's everywhere. Yeah, because uh, using LED, we can reduce uh, electricity consumption dramatically. By how much? How much? Uh, in comparison to the conventional incandescent bulb lamp, LED uh, light bulb is uh, uh, electric consumption is only one-tenth of the conventional incandescent bulbs. The energy consumption yeah. of the conventional. Yeah. And in comparison to fluorescent lamp, you know fluorescent lamp. Mm -hmm. In comparison to fluorescent lamp, we can deduce energy consumption almost half using LED lamp. This is compared to? Compact fluorescent lamp. Fluorescent lamp. You know fluorescent lamp. Yeah, all oh, fluorescent yeah. lamps. Right, yeah. right, right. So it becomes half. So basically, average, you know, by replacing all kinds of uh, conventional light using LED, maybe Electric consumption become maybe one third or one fourth. One third or uh, yeah, one fourth. Yeah, yeah, average. Yeah. Okay, this is compared to the fluorescent one. Fluorescent, including all compact, all fluorescent, fluorescent, everything. I think. Okay, and why do you think it's important nowadays for people to adopt this? Because uh, electric consumption, basically, you know, uh, basically, for example, United States, one quarter of the electricity used for the lighting. One quarter. One quarter of its energy is used for yeah. lighting. Electricity. Electricity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One quarter is used for lighting. Mm -hmm. And this now, yeah. Now, by changing, you know, one quarter means uh, 
25 percent. Yeah. Using LED, it becomes one fourth meter. 25 percent means that. It will be how much now? Now, now is penetration uh, ratio. Penetration of LED lamp is still 10 percent. So 10 percent compared to 25. No, no, no. The penetration. Yeah, 10 <laughs> So penetration of mm. the. Under penetration. Yeah, okay, of the LED lamp is still 10 percent among so all. So it's still relatively low, right? Yeah, but the huge, but still huge energy. That I exactly forgot. You know, for example, by two, 2020, we can save by energy almost. Uh, Equivalent of the 60 nuclear power plant. plant. One six? six 60. Six zero. Six zero nuclear power plant by 2020, all over the world. The power generated by that? Yes. If we, we can reduce LED energy everywhere. energy consumption, almost equivalent of That's the 60 huge. nuclear plant by 2020. That's all over the, that is all over mm -hmm. the world. And, but do you think that this penetration will increase in time? Do you see it increasing? Yes, it's increasing dramatically yeah. now. Yeah. I'd like to thank and congratulate my guests, Pamela Armoa, Analia Velasquez, Raquel Frata, and Shuji Nakamura. I'd also like to thank Kaleen Malik for recording the interview and Kevin Jeffers for editing this episode. You can find this and all the other national podcasts such as Extra Time and Business Extra on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your episodes from. I've been your host, Nasr al Thank you for listening and goodbye.